The Song Confessional Podcast is a co-production of KUT, KUTX Studios, and Good Taste Society. This is Walker Lukens, and you are listening to... Let me explain to you what we do here at the Song Confessional. So we travel around the country, right? And we record people telling us stories anonymously. And then we give our favorite stories. We call these confessions. We give these confessions to songwriters and bands who write new original songs based on your anonymous stories. On this podcast, you hear the confession. You hear the song and inspired and an interview with the songwriter. Well... That's normally what we do, but that's not actually what we're doing this time. Uh, I'm sitting here with my favorite little political candidate. Uh, tell him your name. What's up? Zach Catanzaro for governor. Zach, why is this episode going to be different than the normal ones? Uh, because it's got a very specific focus, a very specific reason. There's no confession. That's probably the obvious answer. Yeah, so we don't have a confession this time, and the reason we don't is because this song came from an event that we did with the Travis County Democrats office. Like four years ago. Yes. So I thought it would be fun, but I have a great memory for completely useless details, and uh, Zach does not. I'm like an Etch-A-Sketch. Once the event's over, (laughs) the details are just... Next. You're, you're a fine editor. You, I remember all of the dumb little bullshit, and you sort of just remember the important facts. Yeah, the most the emotional concepts. There that's you go. where that's where I live. I think that I think that's well said. <laughs> all right, Zach. So when when was this event? Well, try to tell un- me. Unfortunately, Walker fucked up because I would have said 2020, but right before we <laughs> hit record, he was like, "Oh, we did this last midterm." So it was 2018. It was it was the last midterms, which is why we wanted to put this out now because it's very relevant still. Do you remember when in 2018? 2018 it was i mean it was before midterm so i'm gonna say probably september (laughs) wrong okay great (laughs) first wrong okay so it was in october (laughs) okay and this was like down to the wire it was very much down to the wire uh it was after an important personal event of yours do you remember which one I assume my, no, I was about to say my wedding, but that was in November. (laughs) (laughs) Timelines, am I right? Uh, Bachelor party? It was the day after your bachelor party. It was the day after, which was a whirlwind of a weekend in its own. It was in uh, Big Bend National Park. We did an amazing, amazing canoe trip. Overnight through the Santa Elena Canyon. Unreal. Pretty amazing. And then Sunday, we got into back into the van and we drove all the way back to Austin it was raining hellaciously, if oh, you remember. pouring. Yeah, the storm started coming in while we were still in West Texas. We were yeah. eating at that pizza place. It was bad. It oh, rained man. the entire yeah. time. And Zach has a lot of people who love him, so that van was very full. <laughs> I fell asleep in Chris Brennan's lap. Yeah. Uh, that's one of Zach's friends. He has a child, so he cradled me instead of telling me to get the fuck off of him. You guys know Chris as the uh, creator of our lovely logo. Dang. Full circle. That's Part true. Of the team. So, so, so we get back like, you know, three or two or three in the morning. Yeah. And then we set up the trailer the next day at native hostel. We did. Maybe we, no, no, we didn't have the trailer. No, we so, didn't have the trailer. So we yeah. took over the, the coffee shop area of native hostel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wes Essery set up his recording gear. We started drinking coffee, you and I, and basically the Travis County Democrats office brought in 
well, this will be a fun quiz. How many songs did we make? I think it was four. I think we made six. Six? Really? Yeah. Damn, that's uh, some work. We were only there for like two days, I think. We three? were there the whole week. Oh, it was a whole week? See, yeah. there we go. I'm <laughs> I, that's three wrong at least already. That's at least three wrong. <laughs> God, this worked out so much better than I thought it would. I told Zach my idea for this script. And I was like, I'm just going to, we're just going to, you're going to say it wrong and I'm going to correct you. Okay, so. See, that's working out great. Okay, so basically the, this amazing woman, Cindy, who, Cindy Flint, who worked for the Travis County Democrats office, she got candidates from our local area to come in. They told the bands their stories and then they wrote and record a song in a day in the native hostel. Uh, well, first like the, the coffee shop space. and then the yeah. event space. Lots yeah. of natural reverb. Yeah. So there was Sweet Spirit, uh, the Bright Light Social Hour. Jane Ellen Bryant. Jane Ellen Bryant, Superfonicos, Mobley. And then I did one with Alexander. Uh, Alexander Beggins from Wild Child. Good lineup. Yeah. And so we did that. And uh, Jim, you know... Uh, he decided to bring over a mixing rig and mix it on site. Yeah. And, then... and, and initially the idea was we're just going to make these songs and kind of put them out. And then, uh, somebody took advantage of me. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jim. It's Walker's favorite game for the record. <laughs> <laughs> Good God. Uh, I don't remember how our, I agreed to this, but somebody tricked me into agreeing to make a vinyl record. And Karen from Gold Rush Vinyl totally came through. We made some vinyl records and we sold them in the end as a fundraiser for the Democrats. Yeah. And it actually worked out great. It did. It did work out great. It was very cool. And all of the bands really rose to the occasion. Uh, today, you're going to hear a song from Superfonicos. Uh, their song is called Tu Vos. God, I feel so stupid when I speak in Spanish. It's really <laughs> immediately humbles me. Uh, they made an amazing song. They spoke with Julie Oliver, uh, who did not win. Unfortunately. But the song, this song wins. <laughs> it's, it still bangs. Still bangs. And, you know, if it does anything, hopefully it makes you fucking sign up to vote. Make sure you register. There is still time. There's a million ways to do it. Just Google the easiest one. Sign up. Please go vote. Here is Tu Vos by Superfonicos.
afuera. I just can't fucking believe that that was recorded in Native Hostel with pretty bare bones setup. Yeah, and no kind of sound treatment at all. I mean, this the room was recorded in is basically like a high school cafeteria. Yeah, I mean, it's not a good sounding room. <laughs> hard floors, hard walls, yeah. the squarest thing ever. Yeah, sounds amazing. Well it, done. Also, well, yeah, I mean, really well done. I think the melody is so catchy. The melody, uh, the chorus, it's yeah, it really hooks you. It doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, so much music is political. So what I'm about to say is kind of stupid, but it doesn't like it feels too fun and groovy and exciting to be political. But maybe that's why it has you know some good effect to it. It makes it it draws you in. It still has that that effect of drawing you in. Yeah, totally. I, one thing that Zach and I realized as we were re-listening to this song with you is that. Uh, we forgot about Ume and Moving Panoramas. Yeah, there was a hell eight, of a week. There are eight fucking bands that we recorded uh, in a week at Native Hostel. Maybe we need to release a mall. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Or we, we could just talk about it, and you guys can imagine what those songs sound like. Yeah, yeah. Maybe some of you bought the vinyl, which would be super sick. Actually, if you did, just drop us a line. I'd love to know if somebody got a got their hands on that vinyl and is maybe just playing it every weekend, and we just forgot. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. If this I really is somebody's hope it's somebody's like coveted record at home. Mm-hmm. The other thing we were talking about during the during this re-listening to the song uh, is wow, eight songs in a week with pretty bare bones setup uh, that were then turned around and released within a month on a vinyl record. We're significantly less ambitious now than we were in 2018. <laughs> the pre-pandemic hustle was a whole different game. Now it's like, yeah, we could do um, eight songs this year. Yeah. That sounds <laughs> that sounds pretty good to me. I think I think we could probably manage that. Eight songs in a fucking week. What was wrong? It's not just us. We all had it. And print it to vinyl. That's yeah. like. We had Democrats on board. We had Gold Rush on board. We had eight bands on board. We had a working ass engineer. Did West do all of them? No, West did. West did some, granted some. He did. West did two. Grant did. Yeah, I don't remember who did what. I don't know. Multiple, Multiple engineers. Yeah. Jim just slaving away in his dark mixing hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, I, it's genuinely hard to imagine putting in that kind of work in one week right now. <laughs> Yeah. It's funny, uh, we're, we were recording this right now. Earlier this week, we were, uh, me and Zach were driving back, just the two of us from Colorado. Uh, Song Confessional opened another permanent confessional booth there, and uh, we decided to drive all night. It's been years since he and I have done that together. I don't know why we made that choice. I don't know, me either, but I'm still tired. Nostalgic ambition. It's nostalgic it's just... ambition. Uh, there, there is something wonderful about being up really late with someone you love and there's zero distractions when you're driving. Very true. That is a nice, that is a nice thing you get to do with another person, but uh, I am still fucking recovering. Yeah. <laughs> and same. the fact that we drove all night from West Texas and then recorded eight songs. It's hard yeah. to imagine. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, getting closer to 40 these days. It was, it was more spring chicken back then. Didn't know any better. A, le- a less sprung chicken. A less if you sprung will. <laughs> chicken. Ooh, I like that. Definitely didn't know any better. As one, if there's any silver lining for me in the pandemic, is a consistent bedtime. I finally understand the power of, and maybe maybe it's the age that caught up. But 
also just actually doing it. Holy shit. I, I get it. I get it. It's amazing. You know, the, the, th- the yes to all those things. Yes. We had a conversation earlier with our friend Jesse talking about how during the pandemic when everyone, every musician we knew was reevaluating what was important to them and how it was just this time of really magical thinking mm-hmm. for everybody and what it's sort of led to now, which is, which is, you know, some of it was just pillow talk. Yeah. To tech or not to tech that yeah. is the question. <laughs> but, but it did lead to some kind of permanent changes in a lot of ways. I can definitely say for me, uh, going through the pandemic or at least the first few months of it, uh, the George Floyd summer, if we'll call it that. Oh yeah. To then be followed by the triumphant election of Joe Biden <laughs> and then having sort of just not really. This is me f- waving my yay flag. <laughs> Zach has a yay flag. Uh, my hand is still in my pocket. A no flag to wave. I, I I voted for Joe Biden, and I will vote for whatever whoever the Democratic candidate is next time. But you can you can make the choice you know is right and still be bummed. Yes, and it's like that's possible, and uh, you know what? That's a reality most of the time in our political climate. Yeah, and I think the thing that has really hardened for me in the four years since this election confession is that. Uh, my sense of hope is a lot less radical and imaginative and, yeah. and I am, I'm just way more fucking cynical. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. I mean, uh, the world's gotten a lot more cynical in that four years. That's for damn sure. I think it's still important to vote. I'm glad we're releasing the song and I hope in a small way it does help some people go out there and register to vote, but. Man. Or, or just to actually vote if you're already registered. I mean, I, I know personally I was registered to vote years before I ever actually realized the importance of things like midterms and local elections. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, you turn 18, you vote in your first presidential election. You're like, yeah, yeah I did it. And then you don't think about it for another four years, you yeah. know. But it's important also to think more than just voting. Think about the shit that you're buying, the media you're consuming, you know. It all matters more than ever. It all matters more than fucking ever, and voting is just one little part of that. Next, you're going to hear my interview with uh, Nicholas, band leader, bass player, and founding member of Superfonicos. He will tell you everything it means to be a band leader, as well as what Colombian funk is, what he remembers from making this song, and also what he thinks about voting. Interview. 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 All right, well, who am I talking to? Hello, hello. This is Nicolas Sanchez Castro, also known as Nico, uh, from Superfonicos. What do you do in the band? I am the bass player and band leader of Superfonicos. Yeah, and uh, I love that you identify as the band leader. So can you can you tell me what it means to be a band leader? Because a lot of people <laughs> don't understand. Well, it it most of it is uh, texting and emailing. <laughs> um. You know, s- some bit of it is trying to control the uh, the 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 flow of rehearsals and, and that kind of thing, but most of it is boring logistical crap behind the scenes. Like what? Like let's talk, cor- let's talk base- inside baseball here for a second. Like what? I mean, you know, first and foremost, you'd be like, okay, cool, we got a gig coming up. Get on the phone. Who can do this this date and whatever? And you know, there's always going to be the. Um, 20 questions that come after that. Okay. Where's it at? What time would we play? 
what time is sound check, you know? So basically gathering all those details, all the kind of boring stuff that nobody ever thinks about whenever you're like, I want to be in a band. Um, that that's definitely part of it. Uh, the other part of it to a degree is also kind of being the face of like, you know, you show up to a gig and it's like, who do I need to talk to? Who needs to get paid? You know, that, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, just sort of being like the band dad, I guess, is a way to put it. And so being the band leader, it doesn't necessarily extend to how you make the music. Not necessarily. I do write a lot of the music for the band. Uh, that's not to say, you know, I get the ultimate word on stuff. But, uh, you know, I'm an opinionated brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got, yeah, I think you have to be if you're a musician. That's, yeah. like, that's half of the skill set that you're honing. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's also if every, we're a big band. I mean, Superphonicos is eight guys. Sometimes if, uh, you know, we need a little extra, uh, if it's a bigger show or something, we'll, we'll call in a couple more horn players and stuff. So, you know, we've had 12, 13 guys on stage. So sometimes you really do just need some guys that are there and are like, okay, cool. You want me to do this? I'm going to do that. Cool. That's my part. Oh, here I have a chart. Awesome. It would get a little, it would be a, a little bit of a cluster if, if everybody was in there putting their two cents in, we wouldn't get very much done at all. But, mm-hmm. but, you know, I think we've got a good balance. So you got an eight piece band, like that's, that is the band. That's the core. core yeah. Yeah. So take me through a little bit, like, um, take me through how a normal song comes together for you guys. What's the creative process like? Well, let's see. Yeah, there's a couple of different ways we, we kind of go about it. I would say um, typically, like, like if like, I bring a song into the fold, I will uh, kind of do some, um, I do most of my writing on the piano. So I'll do like, you know, get get the chords together, get kind of like a, a, a basic melody going, um, kind of start fleshing it out a bit, get a, get a skeleton going and then, you know, show it to the guys. And uh, usually they'll do something way cooler with it than I ever would have imagined. And uh, part of it is being fluid too. And everybody's got their own, um, their own inspirations and their own, uh, creative approach. So definitely kind of, uh, setting the groundwork and then kind of getting out of the way, I think is, is a a good approach for, for, uh, for us. Another way we do it is sometimes we'll, we'll, you know, one of the guys will have like a, like a demo that he makes in Ableton or something, and then kind of, um, show the guys, you know, okay, here's kind of a more fleshed out thing. Uh, so either way works, you know, uh, sometimes even we'll, we'll get in there and we'll just, uh, crank something out just as an exercise, similar to, you know, what we did, uh, with the song confessional thing, but we'll just go in and kind of have an idea. Like, let's, let's make a cumbia. Let's not like overthink it too much. And let's just go in there and, and, you know, so there's a few different approaches to it. Yeah. This is what I'm curious about is your big band. You said that normally, you know, things, songs come together slowly for you guys. Uh, what's the name of the song <laughs> that you, that you made for the song confessional? It's called Tu Voz, which means your voice. And and how long did you work on this track for? From, okay, we're starting to, this is recorded. How much time did you have? Oh boy, it was, it was a while ago, so uh, I can't know exactly, but I'm going to guess we had a f- four hours total, I think is what we had allocated. Yeah, I think, um, you, I think you had about four hours. <laughs> so, so I think we... Um, 
I'm pretty sure from the moment, you know, we, we started just writing words down on the, on the page to when we actually started, you know, hitting record couldn't have been more than an hour and a half would be my yeah. guess two at the two hours at the most, but I'm, I'm thinking probably about hour and 30 minutes. We were already kind of recording the record button. Wow. So it's pretty quick. I mean, what's the, what's really the difference in, in terms of, uh, a song you spend an hour and a half on versus a song you spend like six or seven rehearsals on. Like, is there a noticeable difference in, in how the song turns out? Well, um, one thing about this one was we, we had a, a kind of a pared down group for this, uh, for that session. A couple of our guys couldn't make it. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I don't know if that made it easier. Uh, it possibly could have because we, um, we didn't have the horn section on it. We just had Jaime, who is the, the lead singer, and he also plays the uh, uh, an instrument called the gaita, which is a, a traditional Colombian flute. Mm -hmm. um, so he handled the, uh, I guess, the, the kind of a horn melody. I think Eric also backed him up on the guitar playing the melody as well, or maybe a harmony of it. But um, so that probably helped a little bit that we had less dudes in there. We, we um we had played ACL fest the day before, which was super awesome. And we we're all, you know, kind of riding that high. We showed up and it was like pouring rain. I remember it was like super heavy rain that day. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes these like weird kind of, uh, outside factors help you kind of get into the mode. I know for me, I always love being in the studio when it's like a rainy day outside. I just kind of feel this different, vibe like i'm not missing anything out there i can't be outside i'm 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 in my little cave here uh so i think that that definitely helped us crank it out um i think to to answer the question really um this exercise of writing a tune and recording it in a matter of hours really you have to go with your first instinct which most of the time is right you know We're, we've been doing this a while we we know what uh what sounds pleasing and uh, and what works. Um, I think with that said too, whenever you're trying to really make something that's out of the box or not like, uh, um, you know, it's something that you've already done. It does take a little bit more time to, to really hone in on, on uh, a new, a new concept or a new idea. But, but I feel like most of those, if we say, okay, yeah, this thing took six or seven rehearsals to work at a lot of that. I mean, it probably could have been done in two rehearsals. A lot of it is just yeah. bicker, bickering back and forth or trying shit out that, that may or may not work. Um, so there's something to be said about just going with, with what works and what you know is uh, tried and true. Um, yeah. And I think it, we've definitely got a formula that, that we work towards and then kind of uh, we, we try and weird it up a little bit from there, you know? Yeah. I, the thing I found with, song confessional is is bands either come in and they do something they know a hundred percent they can do stylistically yeah or they do the complete opposite and they do something that's so different from what they usually do uh and i think that says a lot about how the band writes it sounds like you guys sort of start from something and then chip away at it to make it something unique and weirder than you would normally do maybe sure and i think i think for a lot of uh other artists that we've had you know like this track that's coming out after yours is by uh, artist uh, Pom Pom Squad. And they did something really different from what they usually do in part because she didn't have a lot of time to sit with it and kind of bring it back into the fold of all the stuff that she 
normally does, you know? Uh-huh. So it makes sense. It, it, that, that's, that is what happens when you don't have a lot of time to do your thing. You know, yeah, I, I, I think it was helpful that we had a, a pared down instrumentation because normally, yeah, it would be like, OK, cool. What's the uh, what's the keyboard part going to be? What's the, you know, sax line? And, you know, so we, we kind of knowing that we didn't have those instruments in the fold for this uh, session. I think, yeah, it just helped us kind of, you know, slim down a little bit and think of it in a more streamlined way. Yeah. So what is this? I mean, the reason we're here is because we got we got more midterm elections. I mean, the last time we got together and we did this project, it was the midterm elections. And here we are four years later, it's the midterms again. You talked to Julie Oliver, uh, a woman who was running for a state congressional seat. Mm -hmm. And you guys wrote the song called Two Voice. So what is the song about? What what inspired you about that conversation with her? So let me pull up the lyrics here. Um, Well, really a big part of it was just like, empowering um just kind of so so the name of the song tu voz is your voice so it's really kind of boiling it down to like you know the importance of voting is really it's it is your voice it is letting your voice be heard and um you know a lot of times it it seems like a draining exercise to go vote but it but ultimately that's how you can let your voice be heard you know so, so that's sort of one of the takeaways we took from, from Julie's story. Also, um, you know, the way she kind of, she, uh, put herself through college. I think she was, um, like a single mother to just really an inspiring story of, uh, you know, overcoming adversity. So we kind of tried to, uh, f- frame that into the lyrics a bit. So can you, can you, you know, these lyrics are in Spanish. This is the first song we ever put out with lyrics, not in English. What's your favorite lyric from this song? I really like the uh, the chorus, which is um, "vota, vota lo pa fuera," which means "vota" with a. So it's it's kind of a, a play on words almost. Yeah. Like "vota" is vote, um, but then "bota" with mm-hmm. a b b o t a mm-hmm. instead of v o t a b o t a means to like to throw something away. Mm-hmm. So it's like "vota," vote, "vota lo pa fuera," like throw throw it away, throw him away. Really. You know, we're talking about the, the, uh, the opposition and in that sense, you know? Yeah. So like go vote and throw this other dude away, you know, like get Julie in there. Um, and unfortunately (laughs) it it didn't happen, but you know, that's the beauty part of of the, uh, the democratic, uh, system here is that we can, uh, um, you know, we get another chance. So, so yeah, midterms are coming up again and, uh, you know, we're always hoping for a better outcome, always hoping for, you know, more understanding and more reasonable people in office. What, what was your feeling in 2018? Like, how, how, were you hopeful about the midterms? How are you feeling like politically about the state of our country? I feel like at, at that time, it was, let's see, 2018, uh, we were deep in like, you know, halfway through Trump's term, I, I feel like it was very much a low point, but also that that's something that fuels us. We're, a lot of our music is very, you know, uh, um, about trying to give a voice to those that don't have a voice. So it really, uh, for us, it gave us a lot of fuel. Um, we always feel hopeful, you know, that's, if you lose hope, I, I think you, you've, you've kind of lost the game, you know? So, So we always try and, you know, no matter how bad the situation looks on the field, you always got to, 
hang on to a glimmer of hope, even if it's for your, you know, your family, for your community, um, really, and try and be that positive voice out there because mm -hmm. there's so much negativity, you know, all over the, the internet and, and TV. We're, we're just trying to do our part and really build up the community. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I, I guess I'm curious now in 2022 versus then, do you still put a lot of hope into voting into our democracy in this country? I think it, we, we can make a change. It really, it can happen. It's not going to happen overnight. And, and, you know, this country was built on, you know, the backs of, of black and indigenous folks. And, you know, it takes a lot of time to, uh, to correct those wrongs, but I, I feel like there's definitely a tide turning and I feel like, you know, people are more aware of, of this stuff. Um, you know, I, I feel like the public school system really kind of tries to guide the narrative a bit in a certain direction that, uh, it, it paints it in a more rosy, uh, light than, then, you know, this, this country probably deserves, but I think we all love this country and live here and, and we want to fight for it to be the, the, uh, you know, what it, what it seems to be on paper. It might not be, you know, this, this great place quite yet. And we're fighting because we know it can be, we know it, you know, when they say it's a melting pot and this and that, um, it is, but, but, you know, that, that has to be equality and equity in that melting pot, you know? Yeah. So, so we're, we're, we're still fighting for it. And I think, you know, the, the hope pers persists and, um, yeah, I, f I feel hopeful. I, I think we need to get out there and, you know, support candidates that, uh, are, are, you know, can steer this thing in a different direction than, than, you know, the way it's going and, and living in Texas is, you know, it, uh, one step forward, two step backwards a lot of times. So, um, hopefully we can, you know, just take that step forward and see what happens. Yeah. I'm curious about your, your family. Like with my family, I feel like I, uh, my, my elders, my parents and my aunts and uncles and my grandparents, I would describe them as, um, fairly unengaged politically. They voted in presidential elections and maybe the occasional local or regional election when I was a kid, but the last, uh, the last eight years, maybe 12 years has really caused them to be way more engaged, have way more opinions and take a side. Uh, and I'm curious for you, what, what's that been like for your family, for your, your larger kind of family community come from? Like, what has the last 10 years been like? I would say that's, that, that rings about a uh, true for my family as well. Yeah. I, I feel like b beforehand growing up, you know, yeah, my parents would, um, yeah, they would vote in, you know, presidential elections or, or stuff here and there. But but I feel like every time there's an opportunity to go vote now, it's like, you know, my dad's calling me up like, hey, did you vote? Yet? You know, so I, I think there's just a little bit more emphasis on it. And I don't know if it is, um, you know, maybe the, the coming out of the Trump era, just really realizing like, you know what, this thing yeah. starts at, at the community level. And, um, you know, you can't let these things slide by or, you know, that's, that's when these little changes start happening and you go, Oh, okay. I can't do that anymore. All right. Uh, when did that happen? You know? Yeah, so yeah. I think engagement is huge. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, but I would agree. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, the last, you know, 10 years or so, there's just a little bit more, hyper-focus on it. And I don't know, uh, 
if that's just, you know, things like what we're doing right now, talking about it is just more open. Um, the internet too, I think it just creates more awareness yeah, for good and bad, you know, for all the crap that's out there on the internet, there's also tons of, of great QAnon. resources that are available. <laughs> yeah. Like QAnon. Yeah. For all QAnon, there's also, there's also good sources too. Yeah. For I sure. think, I, I think, uh, and I'm not, I'm not ragging on my family, but I just think that there was this kind of, uh, uh American attitude where you could be apolitical. You could not have political opinions. And it yeah. seems like now it, you can't be that way, you know? I know for like my family, we, uh, I moved here. Uh, I was born in Dallas. I moved to Austin in um, probably like 2007 or something. Um, but my parents moved from Colombia in the early 80s. And, you know, the, the political system in Colombia has always been very conservative, but also super corrupt, like just the like model of corruption um mm -hmm. unfortunately uh which you know there was um i don't want to get ahead of myself but but there no, was this ac actually a uh an election that just just happened and and uh for the first time ever colombia just selected a uh a leftist candidate uh gustavo petro wow and uh, uh a afro-colombian woman is the vice president which you know these are like unheard of. And, and it really was the, um, the engagement from the black indigenous people of color, the LGBTQ community, all these underserved communities are, are the ones that really said enough is enough and really turned the tide. And, and, you know, um, coming from a place with such deep corruption, like, like Colombia, I think there's always tons of skepticism of the political process and of, you know, just your elected leaders. So I don't know if, if some of that maybe worked its way into my family, you know, or just like, you know, just this kind of like a, a feeling of it doesn't, whatever I do, it doesn't matter because they're going to skew it a certain way and the votes are going to show up for this person or whatever. So there could have been a bit of that, you know, growing up and, and maybe, you know, have my parents, you know, left, left Columbia in the eighties due to, you know, tons of corruption and, and slim opportunities. Um, but I think right now is just this time where you realize, you know what, a change can be made, it's, you know, and I think that's a great example of what's happening in Colombia right now. Yeah. And that's not to say there's not still skepticism around, okay, what are, what are they actually going to do now that, uh, you know, there's a leftist candidate in power and, uh, um, you know, only time will tell, but, but, you know, after years and years and years of turmoil and violence and everything, you know, hopefully this will, will help turn the tide a bit, uh, so with that said, you know, I, I think keeping, keeping the faith and keeping hope in the, in the uh, democratic process is, is, is a must. Yeah. Hey, I know, uh, before we press record, you were talking about your son. So you have you, you, the next generations in your home. Yeah. How, how old is your son? He is six years old. It seems like you're hopeful about the future or you believe in that there's, we can turn this thing around if we want to. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, really don't have a choice. I have to be hopeful for him. You know, I have mm -hmm. to believe that we can make a change and, and do everything in my power. I can't just roll over and, you know, uh, uh, accept it, uh, yeah. accept things that, that I don't think are right or, are uh, you know, that I know are wrong. You know, we, we have to fight for it, even if it seems like a, 
a David and Goliath type situation. We, we have to, you know, and it's not tough. That's not to say, you know, I might not be in the, in, you know, once he's asleep and, and go in there and look at him and go, Holy shit, we got a lot of work to do, man. Yeah. Cause I want, I want my son to have clean water. Yeah. I want my daughter to be able to, to enjoy, you know, going to Barton Springs and, and doing the things we love to do and eating good, clean food and being able to, uh, you know, not be persecuted. Uh, you know, of course we, we want that. We all want that. Yeah. Um, and, and at times it, it seems difficult and out of reach, but, but, um, yeah, we got no choice. We have to fight for it. Yeah. Um, uh, before I let you go, man, I just wanted to shift back to some music stuff. Uh, so you, you guys describe yourselves as Colombian funk, Colombian funk music. What defines, yeah. I'm a big, uh, funk music fan. What, what defines Colombian funk? Well, I think, um, that was kind of a tagline that we came up with, uh, you know, when we started this thing, maybe, um, we played our first show November of 2016. Um, damn. You know, like most of these things, we they kind of cook on the on the back end for a little bit before that even. So I feel like 2014 was when we kind of started um, the idea of doing something a little bit different than uh, what we had been doing. A lot of us were playing in reggae bands and uh, um, soul bands and kind of other stuff. And uh, I had always wanted to put together a a group that focused on Afro-Colombian rhythms. Um, kind of a way to, to connect with my, uh, my background. I grew up in Dallas, like I said, but I always, um, had my eyes on Columbia and really, you know, it was one of those things where I never really, um, felt one, you know, and I think this is a common immigrant story where you don't feel 100% American, but you also don't quite feel a hundred percent Colombian either, even though at home we spoke only Spanish and, uh, you know, we would, you know, my parents were always listening to cumbia and salsa and all the Colombian stuff. There was also plenty of, you know, like uh, Billy Joel and Genesis and, you know, American, mm -hmm. American stuff uh, going on in the house. But uh, um, but for me, I always wanted, you know, I think through music is kind of how I felt like a connection back to Colombia. And uh, so I always wanted to put a group like this together. And then, you know, the, the pieces kind of fell together in 2016 when. Uh, Jaime Ospina, who's a, the lead vocalist of the group, uh, he moved to town that summer and we had already kind of been doing this thing. We were looking for a singer and, uh, you know, he landed here on a Thursday and I, I met him. He maybe got to town on a Thursday at noon and I met him like 6 p.m. that same day. So wow. it, it was wow, one wow. of those things where it's like kind of like, you know, the stars align. It sounds corny, but, it, you know, sometimes it happens that way. Yeah, um, wow. So I think at the time we, we really... Um, focus on the the parts of the equation that we thought would very quickly describe what we did to people um in just a couple words and i think that the afro-colombian funk is kind of what 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 came out that's not to say that's where our our sound begins and ends we definitely uh i think as of late i've been using more of the term um uh, like afro-colombian fusion which is you know even more vague but but i think because we, we definitely incorporate the, I would say the kind of the well that we drink from to get inspiration is really like a lot of the Caribbean coastal sound from Colombia, which is kind of that roots cumbia, 
with the with the gaita flutes and the, the uh there's a, a traditional drum called the tambor alegre which we use in um a lot of our stuff uh so that's kind of the the roots of what we do but definitely we go from there and, and incorporate american funk and blues and jazz and ethio jazz and definitely all kinds of different rhythms from from the african diaspora and um really just kind of create this sancocho this big kind of blend of sounds but uh yeah i don't know afro-colombian funk is kind of what what jumped out because it was like the elements that that kind of we thought would make sense to people just you know seeing it written down like okay that sounds interesting can i ask a favor of you yeah what's up would, would you make me a playlist of like maybe hour long hour and a half long playlist of kind of like core inspiration music for superfonicos oh yeah I would love to yeah. put it out with this episode. That sounds like a ton of fun. Yeah, yeah I would love to do that. Um, man, this was so awesome. Thank you so much for for talking with me and being really candid. And uh, this was way more hopeful than I was expecting it to be, but in an awesome way that I needed. So thank you. Wonderful. Great, brother. Uh, yeah, thank um, you. Thanks again. The theme song you heard at the top was uh, written and performed by me and Zach. Uh, as well as Topaz McGarrickle on the saxophone. It was recorded and mixed by Adam Mason. Song Confessional Podcast is produced by myself, Zach Catanzaro, Walker Lukens, Aaron Blackerby, Rylan Kettery, Jim Eno, Mike Lee, and Adam Mason. And brought to you by KUTX. If you like this podcast, the absolute best thing you can do is send an episode to a friend or an enemy. Just something that you know they'd like. And I know that you know what your enemies would like because what you hate in them is what you hate in yourself. The other thing that you can do is like and subscribe to this podcast, wherever it is you listen to podcasts, and write a review. Thank you so much.